So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be discussing episode seven of season five, Life After Lockup. On this episode, Chance and Taylor fight over Chance's texts. Derek tries to hide a ring from Monique. Lindsay and Blaine go paintballing. Cameron and Eris are pregnant. Sarah and Sean talk things out. And Puppy and Amber go to the gym. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating. And if you watch 90 Day Fiance, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going with you? As best as they could be after having to go back to work after a week of spring break. Yeah, I was. I still have the Monday after Easter off, so I'm sitting here uh, enjoying my okay. last day of spring break. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was tough going back. Yeah, yeah, no, right? All right, let's go to maybe people who weren't enjoying, you know, being away from school so much. And that uh, – we'll start with Lindsay and Blaine. So Lindsay is going, leaving like a cluttered house. It seems like they're unpacking or something. It was confusing to go get Miley, who's been basically being a pain in the ass 13-year-old for her grandma. So Lindsay is tired. She's stressed. She says – she tells us she got a job and she's working the overnight shift at a rehab clinic and is also 14 months sober. So overnight shift, also trying to be sober, two stressful things. So then we have full-time, especially for her because a full-time job with set hours where you're like expected to be places for certain times. This is kind of new for her and kind of the thing she was avoiding most of her life. So um, anyway, they get there. She brings Miley. She picks her up, brings her to the house. And it is the worst case scenario for any 13-year-old. No cell service. Just <laughs> She's like, the message doesn't even say it's sending, mom. It just says waiting to send. What does that even mean? So <laughs> – it's a new house, right? Because they they're basically living in here because the lease on the old place was up. They're still trying to put together that trailer. We saw them working on a couple uh, uh, of weeks ago, and now we're just kind of sitting here with the um, in this other house. It's apparently in the middle of nowhere with no cell service. All right. So uh, when they get there, so Miley walk in, and her first reaction to the house is that it smells like death and mold. So, dramatic much? Yeah, she's very dramatic, very <laughs> diva-ish teenagering on this episode. So Blaine is napping when they get back, and he just he didn't do any kind of unpacking or cleaning up or anything. He just is like, "Well, I had to charge up, and this bed is comfortable. I fell asleep." So she feels she being Lindsay feels like that since she started working, Blaine really hasn't been pulling his weight around the house. So his solution to pull his weight, I guess, is to go pay to do something fun with Lindsay during his limited time that he can be out with his ankle monitor. So she, so he's in a hurry to get out of the house to maximize his fun time. Um, and they all drag, also drag Miley along with them. And of course, like everything else, it's like, where are we going? It's like, we'll find out when we get there because everybody needs everything to be a surprise for some reason. <laughs> and the activity he's chosen is paintball, which is, let's just say, not Miley's joy. And they dress her up and she puts all the stuff in. Is like, I'm not getting shot. I'm quitting right now. I'm done. <laughs> so Lindsay's a little bit worried about Miley's change in, you know, kind of teenagery change in attitude. But, you know, mostly when Miley gets moody, she just is like, okay, go be moody over there. I'm leaving you alone and I'll go have fun myself. And the fun is like dry humping on the paintball field, I guess. Um, and then losing because instead of shooting people, they were – like laying on top of each other. It was, I don't know, they were laughing. Everybody seemed to get a kick out of it. <laughs> so Miley says she doesn't mean to feel ungrateful about, you know, them trying to do something nice for her, but this just doesn't sound like fun. In fact, it just sounds painful. So we drop her off and then complain about how 13-year-olds act like 13-year-olds. And on the drive, they call her, um, Lindsay's mom, Brenda, to let her know that they had the jet for ankle monitor reasons. So Miley's attitude moodiness is just one more thing on top of the pile of things that is stressing out Lindsay. So when she gets they get back, she gets out of the car, cries, and then just starts wailing on the garage door. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I mean, uh, we deal with teenagers every day, all day. I guess um, I don't see this side of it. I know you have daughters, yes. but it's like I don't know. I thought we had it bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like because I feel like we see some element of this, but at the same time, it's like 
Yeah, we have a lot of it, but I could not even imagine if this was someone I had to deal with because they were a family member. Yeah, it's 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 tough and it's almost always I mean, I hear story after story after story like of 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 that kind of same thing happening. Teenagers get moody and like the person they almost always take their moodiness out on is their parent and caregiver first and foremost. Right. But, but well, the thing that I struggle with though is I don't really think Lindsay's being the best role model because as soon as Miley left the car, she was acting the same exact way yeah, to Blaine and it's just like That is true. I don't think this is model behavior. That is true. She had she. It was very much a like mother like daughter situation here. Yeah. Um, because I see. Like, that's what I'm saying. I hear that all the time. Is like you know parents being like, oh, your child's such a delight. They're always willing and able to do that. And they're like, did you have the right name on the list? Because I think you're talking about a different kid. This okay. is not. This is this cannot possibly be the same person that comes home to me at the at every night. Because yeah, no, none of these things describe them. Right. Right. And, but and so you know you definitely see that a lot. Now I don't. I don't know. I have a 13 and a 14 year old. And I think part of it is like, nah, I don't know. Like if it was me and it was even my daughters and Mm -hmm. I need to know, I'd be like, Blaine, you cannot take us paintballing. Why on earth would you think she would want to do that? Do you know her at all? Like, like, am I, I can specifically, both of my daughters, they would be like, Hey, I think we should go out and be goo paintballing. It'll be fun. And I was like, it will not be fun for them. Do not do that. Right. right. And so well, it, it that's part of it. Mhm. Is is kind of okay, who she is and I feel like Lindsay's still getting to know her daughter a little bit. Yeah, the thing that I was kind of confused about is she did seem reluctant at first, but then mm-hmm. after they kind of like prodded her along, like all of a sudden she seemed excited for it a little bit or at least not like and then to me, it just seemed like, nope, not doing it. It's like, where did this come from? It just seemed like how she changed her mind just seemed very abrupt to me. Yeah. I mean, and that I've I've seen that out of I've seen that out of teenagers. It's just like they want to they want to want to do it. Right. They mm-hmm. want to go along with the group. They want to. And so they're like, all right, well, I'll just keep going and it'll, it'll happen and it will go with the flow. And then like right when you get to the last minute, it's like. I don't know. Kid, I know this is just kids. Like, have, you know, I've gone to an amusement park and stood in, in line with a kid who goes waits the whole hour to get on the roller coaster and then gets up to the line when the end of a line when you're supposed to get in the car and is like, "Yep, yeah, nope, not doing it. Nope, not gonna happen." Like that seems pretty common for kids. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, pretty low key segment from them this week. I mean, yeah, they tried. They tried to play it up with the really focusing on her banging on the yeah. garage door, but that was just like self frustration and annoying. It wasn't like she was, you know, really mad at anybody in particular as much as she was just mad right. at the universe. Yeah, I thought I had missed something. Like, what is she mad about exactly? And then it's like, oh. Okay, that seems like a very extreme response to what's going on. Right. I mean, and I, it's an extreme response to having the responsibilities of an adult actually put on you after all these, mm-hmm. all these years of not living at. You'd be like, if I don't do it, it won't get done. I was like, yes, that's called living on your own. That's what that. That's what that is. <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Well, let's move over. I'll move on to uh, Derek and Monique. So Derek has landed and is waiting for Monique at the airport, but she's running a tad late. Monique says that Derek's love language is money, so it feels good that he spent money to visit her in Chicago and arrived with a giant bouquet of roses. Monique says the trust is lost, so she needs to be shown that he loves her. Monique says she got a new place with cheaper rent, and Derek is confused because he thought she was going to be moving to Cleveland. So why is she or how is she going to do that if she just got a new place with a new lease? His phone is immediately blowing up and he's sending calls to voicemail as he tries to change the subject and ask her what the plan is because he wants to see the city and go out. Derek immediately comments on how scarce the house is when he sees it, and Monique says that she's been spending all her money on him. As Derek goes to find a wine bottle opener, uh, he's actually really trying to hide the engagement ring he bought Monique. But at the same time, Monique is trying to find his phone to find out who is calling him. 
Derek pours her a giant glass of wine, like to the top. To the brim. It was, yeah, all the way up. Yeah. Uh, Monique tells Derek she checked his call log, uh, you know, online and wants to know who he's calling at four in the morning. He denies that he made the call and Monique insists on checking his phone then. He tells her it's in the room, but she tells him, nah, I already searched your stuff. Didn't find it there. Then Derek insists there's nothing going on and refuses to give her his phone because he's tired of feeling like he's in prison. Monique won't stay, let him stay in the bed, but she also won't kick him out of the house because of his parole situation. She throws the flowers in the trash and says, goodbye. All right. So do you think that Derek is trying to hide something from Monique or do you think that he just is being is the principal of it and he just doesn't want to feel like he's in prison, have to check in? No, I think he's talking to other women still. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think he's exact, definitely hiding something. I think he is texting people at 4 a.m., getting calls at 4 a.m. is just like, I'll just lie. Like, that's it. He's just it, – it's one of those – he's one of those people that just tells such, you know, bald-faced lies. Yeah. That you're like, I don't even know how to argue with you if you're going to lie about like that. You're like, my shirt isn't blue. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, But you're wearing a blue shirt. No, I'm not. Like, how, how am I supposed to argue with you? Like, how am I right. supposed to make anything up? <laughs> I didn't make that phone call. It's on the call log. Explain that. I didn't make no, the phone call. No, that wasn't me. Know. They called yeah. me. It's like, all right. Did they, though? No, that's not what this says. I, I just, I, wasn't he the one, or am I getting him mixed up, that had multiple phones? Oh, yeah. He had many phones. He he had like three burners. Yes. So that's what I also don't understand. It's like if you're going to be shady, you know which phone Monique can monitor, the one that she gave you. It seems like pretty easy. Don't make calls from that phone. Right. Except for, I don't know. I, I, my guess is before he figured out the burner like situation, he probably gave that phone number to a bunch of women before he did that yeah. and is now like, well, oh man, I can't port those girls over to the other phone just yet. I have to find a delicate way to do that uh, and, or is just too lazy to do that and is just like, whatever, it doesn't matter because I'll just lie myself out of it anyway. Yeah. Well, it just doesn't really – his strategy really just doesn't make any sense to me and what I also don't understand is how Monique didn't come across one of his many phones if she's you know, rummaging through his bag. Just going through his bag. If that was like so weird to me. Is mm -hmm. the part where they were both like hiding from each other. They were both like trying to like talk like, I'll come out there. Don't worry about it. No, I'll come in there. No, I'll come out there. Yeah. <laughs> Wait for me out there. I'll, I'll be out in a minute. I'm, I'm doing stuff like as he's trying to hide this ring, which I will give him credit. Very smart of him to not just hide the ring in the bag, knowing that she's like, Definitely going to go through his bag. Oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if he had that kind of foresight, but yeah, that's pretty smart of him because she would have definitely found it. And then uh, I was confused why she even stores mugs that far up. Uh, I mm, – yeah, because – well, I don't know. He's also short, but <laughs> that is a high shelf on the yeah. cabinet. And I don't know – um, I don't know if it's typical to have cabinet shelves that high. I feel like that's bad design, right? Like I, I feel like they're like, no, your cabinets are too high. You have 40-inch cabinets that are, you know, six feet off the ground. This is not right. working. Nobody, nobody can reach that. Right. Because he like climbed on the counter to do it. Yeah. So I was just like, all right, well, and then it just seemed really kind of staged because it's like she just moved in. She doesn't have really much more than the basic stuff, but she manages to have a whole row of mugs on the very top shelf that no one can seem to reach. Yes. And yeah, no glasses on the bottom shelves. All my mugs way up where nobody can reach. Right. For, it doesn't for sure. make any sense. For sure. Um, so I thought it was funny too, but she was like, his love language is spending money. It's like, that's not a love language. No, it's not. <laughs> I think she means gifts. I think she meant gift giving, but it's not even. It gives this, and I think that's why she kind of did it. It's like it's gift. It's supposed to be gift giving. Yes. But him actually buying a ticket to come to Chicago is not really a gift, right? Yeah. For her, he's like, well, he spent money on me, and it's like, but it wasn't technically on you. It was so he could go somewhere else. Yeah. I don't know if that's 
a love language so much as, you know, just something that he values quite a bit, money. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, it, it's one of those things that's weird. It's like, oh, well, you know, he spent money to put on a nice suit for our date. And I was like, well, okay, that doesn't mean he loves you. That means he loves to spend money on cloves. Oh, like that's-, yeah. <laughs> that's actually funny. I had um, a friend that I, he invited me to his Christmas party just because he needed a date and we were just friends. And I got really excited about the shoes I was going to wear. And he, for some reason, took that as a sign that I was interested in him. And so he made this weird move on me, like after the Christmas party. And he was like, well, I thought you were into me because you're really excited. I was like, no, I don't, no. I don't think you understand my love of shoes. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> that's I, nothing to do with you. <laughs> I I know you well enough to know that no, you're just into shoes. <laughs> yeah, I was really excited about the shoes. I mean, you're my friend, but doesn't mean I'm interested in you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so I don't know. This is just it seems like worse, almost worse than spinning wheels for them to be like, okay, well you can come out to Chicago, but now sleep in the basement. Yeah. I mean, she was very quick to escalate things because it's not that she found anything new, right? It's that he refused to show her his phone. And so based on that, she's like, okay, bye. And it just seems like, okay, I don't understand like that things were this fragile. Like, yes, you're right. Why would you bother having him come out there if all it took for you is to not get his phone and all of a sudden he's out. I can't trust right. him. Right. It seems like the the normal move would be like, listen, I found this. I found these in your call logs. Explain yourselves or don't bother coming out here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. It's it. That's – I never know what either of these people are doing though. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, uh, actually, let's go to Ares and Cameron next because these are actually people I did know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So Ares and Cameron are on their way to somewhere life-changing according to her. That's what she said. So Cameron says he has decided to put his big boy pants on and got himself a job as a customer service rep. And that's because he needed to pay, you know, the, the expenses are about to go up because Eris is pregnant. My which gosh. is just drop it on us and they're here for an ultrasound. Oh, and my goodness. I was confused by this place that got an ultrasound because my ex had all hers at like a doctor's office. No, nowadays they have like um uh like Places like this, because a lot of uh, like uh, medical insurances won't pay for like the 4D ultrasounds. And so it's like this is like a fancy boutique place you go to to get the high end stuff. Yeah. It wasn't even. Yeah. It wasn't so much like a um, it wasn't like a doctor's office. I wouldn't like they had the ultrasound machine in a doctor's office, but you go like like a similar clinic or something where you go get the x-rays done or you go get your MRI done. Right. Something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there was no like. Weird, like, sparkly glamour shot thing. Like, oh, ooh, here's our different packages. Like, right. you were getting it up at a professional studio. Not even a, a weirdly professional studio. The sparkly sign really threw me off. I was yeah. like, this is a medical procedure. Why is there a sparkly it, sign about it what It reminded they me of a med spa. That's what yes, it reminded me yes, of. Yes, it does. It mm-hmm. does. Anyway, that said, um, Eris and Bo- Cam both say that they're hoping for a boy. Eris because she wants to have, you know, a boy and a girl complete the set. And Cameron, because he just needs there to be some testosterone around. There's just all <laughs> women everywhere. So it doesn't matter, though, because uh, they see the three lines. And I have two daughters. So I knew as soon as Il Tech was like, I see three lines. I was like, that's a girl. That's a girl. I know it. <laughs> um, and it is. So uh, it, it's a girl that they're going to name Charlie, apparently. So now that that's all decided and set, it's time to kind of decide who they're going to tell and when. Namely, when they're going to tell Lena, when they're going to tell her dad, when they're going to tell his family. And that brings us to Eris and her dad and how – you remember that she got married like and he didn't even know they were engaged. She was like, bye, dad. Going to a wedding. Mm -hmm. Peace, right? Um, So she says she she wants to make things right, which is triggering to Cameron because he's just like, wait, wait. In order to make something right. It had to have been wrong at first and I have done nothing but right by you. Yeah. So he doesn't feel like he needs to prove anything to anyone. And Eris tries to slow him down and they're doing this in – at the – you know, still at the ultrasound place. Wants to slow him down because he gets super defensive about it. And like, she's like, nobody's asking you to prove anything. She doesn't want him to get on his knees and gravel to her, to her father. Like as that's how she said it. <laughs> so they're just trying to make things right and then it still is not working. So on top of all that now, his sisters are also coming down to Florida. So family things are getting a little stressful. 
So later on back at home, Cameron tries to explain his side and try to get a get a run on how why she why she felt so upset. So he says he's sorry if he was aggressive or hurt her feelings, and he just doesn't want the first time she, that he meets her dad to be him basically on his knees apologizing and uh, when he's not done nothing but treat Eris right. So she appreciates the apology, but feels she didn't really get a chance to say her side of what's going on. That all this was very unorthodox, and he's not asking. You know, things like he never got to ask for her hand and things like that that need to be accounted for. So he said that another time, but he's like, this is not the way I would usually do things, but I'm willing to adjust because he didn't grow up with a father and he doesn't really know what that's like and what it, what that relationship is. And also, he knows that he bucks against authority. He says sometimes he just feels like Eris just doesn't understand him. And that's okay because sometimes he doesn't understand himself. <laughs> so... They came to now that they come to this agreement. Lena comes home, so she goes goes upstairs, and they come up with a game plan to announce the pregnancy to her. So they call her outside, and she's they're just sitting on like the balcony, and she's like, "Hello, family." <laughs> and then Cam gives a spiel about all kinds of stuff. You know, it's actually a pretty good like talk. Uh, and then they gave her a framed picture of the of the baby from the sonogram, the four D you know cash money yeah. glamour shot uh, <laughs> sonogram that they had. Um, and. Then she, at that point, she's like, wait, are you pregnant? And she says she's excited, but also feels a lot of pressure to be a big sister. You know, as long as her little sister doesn't eat all the food and drink all the soda like Cam does. <laughs> so after Cam leaves, she has some of the typical concerns uh, for, you know, per, per, you know, to be older siblings. And Eris reassures her that there won't be any favorites and stuff like that. So she takes it well enough, and, well enough that Eris says when she grows up, she wants to be like Lena. All right. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like this is kind of hard to talk about because this is exactly how this is supposed to go. Right. Um, I really <laughs> like kind of the evolution of Cameron that we've seen, you For know, sure. or, mm -hmm. and I don't even want to say we've seen so much as we that's been portrayed to us since the beginning. Right. 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 Like, right. As soon as you met him, you're kind of like, this dude's trouble. Like, how in the world are you getting sent back to the halfway house just because you couldn't control like drinking and partying, you know, like you just had to be drinking. And then almost immediately we see him getting drunk at his wedding, just like stupid drunk and, you know, throwing his ring at uh, Eris and, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, just all of that. Right. So you're like this guy, he's not going to be able to, you know, be a dad. He's not going to be able to be responsible. This is the guy who's trying to be young forever, just be uh, a rapper and just kind of try make that happen and like no concern about stability. Right. But we've seen his relationship with Lena and that started like we definitely started seeing him in a different light already. Mm -hmm. But even how he handles conflict with Eris, it's like very mature. Yeah, he might need some time to kind of settle down like their last big argument we saw. But at the end of the day, he got a job. He's being a father figure. He's doing all the things like even he says, you know, like, I don't understand this, you know, and even the way he talks about things, he's like, you know, help me understand this or, you know, like, here's where I'm coming from. And he's a really good communicator. And it's just like, I really like where we are seeing him at now. Yeah. I mean, it, it is strange at how good he is at communicating. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, and because most people would just, that's the other thing about this whole show is just people who are garbage at communicating. Yeah. They bottle things up and they don't say it. When they do say it, they explode at other people. Um, thinking of other people in this episode who just spend the whole right. time yelling at each other over things that aren't really the issue that's bothering us. Right? Yeah. And, that's He's not perfect because he does, you know, kind of have that initial reaction yes. right, in, in, the, in the thing. But he's one of the few people that like is able to like when he reflects on it, actually be like, I see where I was wrong. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to start the conversation by admitting where I was wrong. Right. And moving there not and not being like, well, I know you were upset, but let me tell you why you shouldn't have been. And, yeah. You know, and it, so it's. Very effective. He uses I words a lot. Like, he's good at it. It's yeah. crazy. No, he's really great at it. And, uh, you know, and when he said that he uh, got a customer service job, I was like, I can see that. 
he's oh, a yeah. pretty good talker. Yeah, for sure. And he's he's good at I'm sure he's very good at calming people down <laughs> when mm-hmm. they come in hot. Like that is well, okay, man. I, okay, well, let me talk about. It. And he's you know affable enough and funny yeah. enough that it, I, I could I could see him doing that job, which he says he doesn't hate. So good yeah, for him. yeah, I'm, yeah, it's definitely good for him. All right, uh, let's move on to a couple that mm, communication has seemed to broken down, and that's Chance and Taylor. So Taylor and Chance are both annoyed at each other because Taylor wants to talk and Chance just wants some peace as he's eating breakfast. Chance is feeling like a liar because he is hiding the fact that he lost his job. Because he's Taylor says that she's been tracking him and she's wondering why he's at his friend's Daryl's house when he's supposed to be at work. And Chance says that he went to hang out with Daryl and took some shots. Taylor says enough is enough as she takes his phone to go through it. She asks who Tanya is and why he's asking to call and chat with her through text. Chance asks her not to ask stupid questions, and that's just his friend. Chance says that if they're going to be in a relationship, that he can't ask her permission to talk to her, talk to his friends. He says that he gives up as he throws the phone on the bed and tells her to figure out how to pay the bills and walks out to take a smoke. Chance tells us that Tanya is a friend who has given him money to help out with a lawyer, and he's known her for over 20 years. The only reason why he hasn't talked to her recently is because of Taylor. After he calms down, he goes back to ask Taylor if she'd like to talk. Taylor asks why he's even talking to other women, and Chance says it's because he can't talk to her about everything. Taylor says that he has a way of turning things around to always make things her fault. She admits that she's insecure about herself and she feels like when he talks to other women, it makes her hate herself because she doesn't feel like she's enough. Chance says he doesn't know how to handle not talking to his friends. He insists that there's nothing there and wonders why it's any different when she talks to her friend, Russell. Taylor says that he lies to her, so that's the difference. She also says that there just isn't open communication. Chance says that she's clearly unhappy with him, so maybe it's time to leave. And then Taylor says that she's going inside because she hears one of the girls crying. She says that it's difficult to talk to him because he can never see his own fault and he keeps threatening to leave, so it's clear that he wants out. All right, so do you think that Chance wants out? It seems like he is kind of setting things up to make it easy for Taylor to just walk out. But then, I don't know. Why doesn't he just pull the plug then? Uh, I don't know. I I don't know what's going through this guy's head because like his thoughts don't really make sense as they put them together. But except for him just finding – looking for and grabbing for any straws that makes this Taylor's fault. Yeah. Right. That's all he cares about. He doesn't even I don't even think he cares whether they're together or not, so long as people understand that it wasn't his fault. That it was Taylor's fault. Yeah. Like that they if they do break up. So I, I I think you're right. I think he's just his primary concern is make trying to make himself look like the good guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can see that. I don't, I don't think that he is very successful at that because to me at least his arguments again don't make any sense. Right. Right. And it's like, well, I can't, I just can't tell you these things because you'll yell at me. It's like, yeah, you yell at me because you're lying and wrong. Like, I yelled at you because you're wrong. Right. Like, of course. What do you want me to say? I gamble. I, I can't talk to you about the gambling. And it's like, because you shouldn't be gambling, you dumbass. Right. Yeah. Right. What do you want me to, what, what do you want me to support you on that? Like, I don't understand what you want from me that isn't stop gambling, dumbass. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't know what the other friend – because your friends don't care. Your friends aren't being affected by your gambling. They can just be like, ha-ha, like, okay, you lost it there. Like, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, But yes, it's always suspicious when you are hiding who you're talking to. Yeah, (laughs) it is. Like, I don't understand why he doesn't understand that. Because he's dumb. And what I don't get is why she keeps on hanging on. I mean, the only thing I can Mm -hmm. possibly think of is – you know, she's post having this kid and she's just I think she just wants to have a family because it's it's going to be tough if she leaves him. You know, it's like not only does she have this newborn that she's still going to have to deal with him because that is her baby's father. Like she has three other girls that now she has to be a single mom to 
And she doesn't have the support that she had pre-chance. Like, she had Bobby there before, right? Sure. And I'm sure Bobby did a lot of the heavy lifting when it came to childcare because Taylor was working before Chance was around, you know? And now that, you know, Chance is the one working, it's like Taylor's now becoming a stay-at-home mom. And so she's leaving all the finances up to Chance, which is like such a bad idea. Why don't you just have Chance take care of the kids and Taylor can work? I mean, I definitely thought that when he was like, good luck paying the bills. And I was like, what, with the negative $4,000 a month you bring in? I know, right? You lose more money than you make. Like, she's going to be – it's going to be easier for her to pay the bills. Right. At least then she can get – she can sign up for welfare or food stamps or something. You're around. You're just wasting all the money and it's all gone. Like – and so I don't know – and I think – and I think – I think at the end of the day, I think he understands that and – is just super defensive that he knows he's a drag on this family and he yeah. knows he's a dag- drag on this other woman and just needs to make it – again, and make it somehow her fault. Now, yeah. I, I mean it, it's frustrating to watch because it is it is a bit like akin to gaslighting. Like why are you talking to your friends? And it's like, do you mean the friend whose name you knew and just right. asked me about right now because I can't do that for you because you don't tell me about them. So yeah. that's a different situation. All right, so moving along to other people. Oh, with more yelling. Oh man, this one didn't make any sense at all to me. Maybe you can help me sort it out. And that's Amber and Puppy okay. and TC and whatever. So we start off with Amber FaceTiming her mom, Monica. And Amber tells us she's surprised that her mom, her relationship with her mom is as good as it's ever been because pretty much when she was young, her mom kept landing her in jail. So she tells mom about this new business opportunity from her friend Ruben about the restaurant. So everything is in lo- all in line for everything to work out except for the 50 grand she needs to for startup cash. So her dad, who we saw get back together with her mom last season, doesn't like that she's asking for a loan right now. And Monica isn't sure that Amber is in a place right now to do what she needs to do for the business because of all the stress from everything else. So they don't really say no, but they say it's going to take some convincing. So then next up, Amber and TC are just out. out. Sounds like he's doing like that suburban middle-aged person thing and be like, we're going to go look at an antique store. (laughs) Um, Something from a garden center for the house. She's like, just one place we're going. We're not going to like run around all morning, going to estate sales. She says that things are tough with TC because he's clearly not over the pregnancy situation, but he's not one who wants to talk about things that he's feeling. So while they're looking at the plant, she tries to make the conversation happen. But he just leaves it, wants to leave it. He literally says like she has all these, how are you feeling? I'm feeling like this, blah, 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 blah. Leaves it open to him and he's just like, we'll be okay. <laughs> but that's not good enough for her. So she says that she doesn't feel good about herself since she's been out of a job. And she says, well, and he says, well, you know what to do about that. So she seems to want to get his approval to go all in on this restaurant opportunity. But I don't know. Apparently what he meant by you know what to do about that is maybe go to the gym. So she Gosh. feels like he's being dismissive just be, uh, just because he he's uncomfortable talking about emotions. So then he starts getting distra- – uh, he gets distracted by his cell phone a little bit. Nothing really came of it. But anyway, he doesn't want uh, – she kind of pokes the bear a little bit to try to get him to talk about the abortion. Um, and in an interview though, he says he doesn't talk about – talk because whenever he does talk, he just feels like he always just says the wrong thing at the wrong time and better better keep your mouth shut and not say anything dumb. So he says he can talk about it even though he clearly doesn't. He's like, we can talk about this abortion thing and then doesn't talk about it. So then later on, TC's out there. We see Amber at the gym. She's been putting off going to the gym, but she does say she's happy she's here and it relieves a lot of stress. Well, maybe the stress relief is at first, but then Puppy shows up to be her gym buddy. So even though she Puppy hasn't been to a gym in 15 years, she was like, I don't know, something about endorphins making you feel high. That sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> so Peppy says that she's completely done with Eric. So now the um, drama has to focus on Amber's relationship with TC. So she stresses to Puppy that this, you know, she – Puppy keeps trying to draw parallels and Amber keeps bucking at that and thinking like, no, 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 no. This is not the same situation. It's a fucked up situation. But unlike Eric, TC d- hasn't done fucked up shit. So she just needs to figure out how to navigate this <laughs> – place they're at right now, not figure out how to end the relationship like Puppy was doing. 
So it's kind of at that point that things quickly go south because then uh, they were going to – she was going to invite Puppy back to the house where TC is and then she wasn't allowed to go back to the house the last time we saw her when they were drinking. And also she's staying at Queen's house now because she wasn't allowed to crash on Amber's couch and that kind of all just comes to a head and just all comes out now. So she feels like Amber's not there for her like she wants her to be because she's with TC now and then that kind of takes a step back. Of course, Amber thinks that Puppy has literally never been there for her at all like she'd been there for Puppy. So they kind of have a argument over who is more it, there for whoever and and Amber's trying to explain how it's not even her house. She can't volunteer somebody else's house or a house she shares um, the same way she could if it's usually by herself. But I don't know. Then it's all – you aren't hearing what I'm saying and you aren't hearing what I'm saying. It's just they both call each other narcissists and I don't know. They're just yelling at each other. Then they split up and the discussion um, – they, they split up and Amber's out in the parking lot doing her rant. Puppy's in the gym doing her rant. And then that is until Monica calls to ask about – to talk about this business venture. And by talk, she means – talk Amber out of the business venture because she thinks the stress is just going to be too much. She also thinks a bar in particular is a bad business decision for Amber since <laughs> you know, she's been drinking a lot and you know, do we really want to be around alcohol all the time, all the time and drunk people, which is something that Puppy had kind of mentioned too, that Amber's been drinking more. So now that, now that – and then the conversation ends with them not – giving her the loan, not giving her the money to start this business. So now that she's been let down again, Puppy comes out and apologizes and accepts Amber's invitation to come to the house for a visit. Uh, so, I mean, I feel like I got all the points that they were trying to make across, yeah. but I was I was like a little bit lost. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Was, I feel like there's always a I don't know what's going on here fight in the show. Right, right. Um, I think for this, it's really they're feeling like the other person's letting them down. Yeah, right. And sure. so mm -hmm. it was kind of interesting to me, like, who do you think has been the better friend? Puppy, on the one hand, did give up her parole address so that way Amber could live with her mom. But I don't even know if it was so much that she really gave it up so much as she started dating Eric and peaced out. So right, I right. Can't I wasn't really, using it anyway. Right. Yeah. Sure. So I can't really say that that was a huge sacrifice on her part because she really got herself into a pretty bad situation, right? With the whole Eric thing is just bad news. Uh-huh, sure. Um, but then, you know, Amber, like she's tried to be there for Puppy more so so she could help her support her in getting away from Eric. But when it really came push to shove, like – and Puppy's like, well, can I stay at your house? It was like, nah, you can't. I got my dude and he's a priority. So it's really hard to say which one <laughs> is the better or the worse friend. Because I feel like they've both done things that, you know, really kind of demonstrates to the other that they prioritize something other than them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little more sympathetic to... Amber's argument because it was like, hey, can I crash at your house? She's like, it's not my house. Yeah. Therefore, it's not my decision. No matter how much I want to help you out, it is not my decision. Right. Um, and so that that to me and like Puppy just was not hearing that. Puppy just kind of said like – which is I think weird coming out of a relationship where she was very much out of control right. of what was going on to feel like that Amber would have total control and could like just overrule and veto TC being like, no, I don't want her in my house. Being like, well, yep, too bad. Especially when TC has kids in, that are around the house. Yeah, that's yeah, a difficult part of that. Yeah, that's yeah. I I can see their point of view that way, but you know, going forward, it's like, well, I think you guys just have to accept that things are the way they are, and that you puppy isn't going to be able to especially because I know TC, and this really sucks too. And I this is where I think puppies like feelings are coming from is she knows tc doesn't like her she yeah. thinks and that think, amber yeah, has contributed sure. to that and so it's hard for her to be like well you're picking your dude over me right and i get i get that because tc doesn't know her and yeah. therefore anything he knows about her had to come from amber <laughs> yes <laughs> right? or the fight so, that he witnessed 
Right. And so like, so she's like, well, if your dude doesn't like me, then that's what you must not like me very much either. Yeah. Right. Because you've been talking trash about it. But I mean, yeah. And I think it also upsets Puppy that Amber's like, no, he doesn't dislike you. And she's like, why are you lying to me? Like, right. and now I, I know that's a lie. And so it, it does kind of do that. But I don't know. I feel like at the end of the day, I don't know. They keep just doing – they fight a lot and then yeah. do the same thing. They're just like, oh, I'm sorry now. I'm sorry. We're best buddies again. I didn't mean that. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they, that's sustainable though. Right. I just kind of wish that both of them would just keep on – they would just stop, keep on putting their relationships as like number one. Or I, – I mean it's so weird to me because I don't – I don't – it's it's hard to think about. I don't rank my relationships. Like, mm-hmm. why does there have to be a number one relationship, number two relationship, number three relationship? Like, they're all different. They all occupy a different space in your life. Mm-hmm. They're just different. Why do you have to say, well, this one is clearly number one, and this one is number two, and that's and and where do I fit in that? And like, especially like, I don't know. You have to imagine people's partners are going to be pretty important to them, and I feel like. It would be weird if you were number one over their partner, but like being a solid number two behind someone's partner is a pretty like pretty high status space in their life. Well, I guess the way I see it is like specifically talking about puppy situation where she had no place to go. It's like, yeah. don't you think her kind of physical well-being is more important than TC like not liking her? Right. But at the end of the day, he's like, I don't want her in my house. She can't come here. Yeah. And Amber can't say, yes, she is. Because he's like, if she comes over, I'm calling the police and having her arrested. She can't come here. Right. That's the way it works. Like now, could she have done something different? And I feel like she did. She set her up to go to Queen's house. She can set her up at a hotel. She could do something. But she was like, but here, that is not an option. Yeah. I do not have the authority to force you to be able to stay here. Right. I'm just saying, I think I can see how Puppy takes that as personally and takes yeah, it and as I think you're puppy, not I think, important to me. I think Puppy at the end of the day just said you didn't want to fight with TC. So you said, OK. Yeah. Like you could if you could have pushed the issue harder than you did and you did. Right. Right. OK, let's move on to Sarah and Sean. So Sarah takes the kids to visit grandma. And while the kids are on the swing, Sarah, Sarah talks to her mom, Kathy, about her confession to Sean. She realizes that she messed up by lying about something so stupid. She isn't sure what she's going to do. Meanwhile, Sean is confiding in his son, Brandon, about Sarah's lies. Brandon agrees that he thinks it's weird if there's nothing really going on. Why did they all lie to him? Sarah is crying to her mom that she made it look like there was something going on when there really wasn't. And she hopes that she can fix it. Kathy encourages her to go home and just talk it out. Sean thinks that Anthony has ulterior motives for wanting to reconnect to his daughter. Sean says that he won't put up with it, and if he finds out that there's something more, he's out of there. We get an update on Addie and how she's attached to Sarah and her sister and getting into everything already. Sarah says Addie will keep her on her toes. So Sarah is heading home ready to talk to Sean. Things are awkward as Sarah is trying to get food ready for Addie as Sean sits and stews on the couch. Finally, Sarah goes to talk to Sean. She asks him if he's okay. He tells her how hurt he is and he can't understand what's happening. Sarah says what she's doing is for Abby. Uh, Sean is doubtful of the innocence since they didn't have closure and thinks there is more to it than what she's saying. Sarah promises that that's it. Sean feels betrayed and that all the trust and what they've built is gone. They both agree that they don't want this kind of relationship. Sarah assures him that he can trust her and that he, she loves him. Sarah wants Sean to meet uh, the dad, but I can't remember his name. Just Oh, Jews. What was his name? Uh, yeah, I know. Um... Tony. Isn't Anthony? Tony? Anthony, Tony? Anthony, yes. Yeah. Uh, Sarah wants Sean to meet Anthony because it will give Sean peace of mind. But Sean doesn't want to meet Anthony now, but says maybe one day. All right. So if Sean's open to meeting Anthony in general, why do you think it matters if it's now or later? I don't know, because I mean, I, I do believe 
at least her reasoning behind it. Like she was like, I thought this thing was going to fall apart. I thought he'd fall off the wagon. Yeah. Right. I thought it'd be dumb. But I, I think at this point, we've kind of established that that's not going to happen. He's going to be around for a little while at least. Right. So yeah, I don't understand why not. Why, why, what's the point in waiting at this point? Right. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me at all, unless you're just trying to be like, I know I can. Okay. So we still have to remember that she's dealing with an idiot. Oh, Sean, you mean? Yes. Okay. Right. And like, she has to still manage him and get, I, I feel like she feels like the more Sean is used to the idea of it, I see this person and it's not a threat. Mm-hmm. Right. If she can, if she can convince him he's not a threat, then the less chances are things go haywire when they actually meet. Does it make sense? Yeah. But that's, I mean, Sean's the one who said, maybe I'll meet him later. Sarah's not <sighs> trying to keep Sean from Anthony. In fact, she wants Sean to meet Anthony now so he can really see that there's nothing going on. Yeah, that is that that is weird because you think it's usually the other way around. Like if you think yeah. if you suspect that if you suspect that your wife is cheating on you, you'd be like, I'm going to meet this guy. Yeah, I want to see what he's like. I want to see how that goes. Right. Right. That, that tends to be the reaction you want. Uh, so that just kind of means to me, like whatever she did, whatever talking she did, he's pretty satisfied yeah. um, that with it. And then is like, I don't know. It, just, it does seem weird that you're like. That you wouldn't, I don't know. I just would like, okay, we're going to do this. Let's get it out of the way. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, but, but again, let's get it out of the way is never been Sean's MO no. for anything ever. You're like, right. He's, he's always like, we'll wait, we'll just wait, we'll just wait, we'll just do it later. Uh, by the way, we're getting married tomorrow when she's pregnant. Just right. Uh, sorry, I didn't get a chance to tell you before that. Yeah, like that, that's that is the way he works his entire life. Yeah, he is an avoider, and I think part of it is he kind of hopes that she'll stop asking him. Right, and mm-hmm. then he right. won't have to meet Anthony. But I don't or know Anthony why he's so away. opposed to in the first place. I don't know. I I, I don't. I, I I would want to meet him. I wouldn't want to know what he looks like. I would want to know. How he reacts to it, I would kind of like, you know, do that, try to subtly gauge like right. his interests and everything. Like I would kind of want to know, you'd feel better about the situation if you knew, right? If you like actually interacted with the guy. Yeah. Now, in this case, I don't know that he would because right. Anthony very clearly wants to get back together with Sarah. So. Yeah. And he's an attractive guy <laughs> that is probably closer to Sarah's league than Sean is. Yeah, it's just I, I I understand his hesitance to not want to break bad news to people. Yeah, right. I guess that I guess I just I really don't understand the hesitance here. Right. No, it makes no sense. Sean generally doesn't make much sense to me, though. For sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So we did not hear from Brittany and Marcelino and Justine and Michael this week. Right. So out of this group, who did you think was your student of the week? I said Cameron. I did like, too. He's just he's. A, a stand he's been a stand-up dude so far we've seen like i am right usually we're surprised by how much garbage people end up being yeah and this is like we said at the beginning this is a much difference but now maybe they're going to twist it again and he's going to have a heel turn oh, gosh. later but right now man he he seems to be one of the better <laughs> better most dedicated people we've seen yeah to, i gave like, him actually bettering himself yeah i gave him student of the week just based on the fact that this dude got a job i mean that's yeah. more than you can say for like 90 percent of the people on this show i mean we'll see if he can sustain it i mean because you know we even have chance losing a job this week but you know he got a job his lady says hey get a stable job he's like all right and he followed through so good for him yep yep all right. What about your dunce? Uh, so I, I feel like we were not starving for choice on this one. There are plenty <laughs> I know, of people. Right? I actually went with Monique. Okay. Um, because I did not understand what her wh- – why if you don't trust this person, are you putting him in a situation like where you think it's – where you think he does? Like she needs to be more upfront up to him about where he stands. Mm-hmm. Now, where he should stand is outside on the curb. Yeah. Right? But it's he's clearly not there. Right. So where does he stand? And and what are you doing? Like <laughs> in the situation, you clearly don't trust this dude. Yeah. And but you're still being like, well, he brought me, he spent money on me, so I'm feeling like it's better. But it just it makes no sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense to me either. Uh, so my uh, dunce this week is actually Lindsay. Um, 
I'm not a parent, so I know there's some element of this is just how you handle your own personal, like, mental health. But I don't know if the best option is to just leave your teenage kid alone if they're acting moody. I don't know. Oh, no, that's great. That's great strategy. I like that. I do it a lot. I mean, you're not gonna, I'm not going to leave them alone in a place where it's like, you know, oh, they're going to be hurt or dangerous. She was like in the thing. No, no, that's usually good. Because just like a lot of people, they need to be left alone. And it means to be like, oh, we went out and had fun and you just wanted to stay in here and be moody. So right. okay. like, go, go ahead okay. with that. Well, that wasn't the only reason why I gave her uh, dunce this week. <laughs> uh, the real reason why is because, you know, all the behaviors that she doesn't want to see in her daughter, she displayed, turned around and, you know, showed her worst self to Blaine. And then just like throwing a tantrum. And I get the frustration. I get I mean, that's the reason why they have those, like, what, those rec rooms, like W-R-E-C-K. Yeah, yeah, where you just go in and break glass and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but not your own stuff. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Don't break your – it's not even hers. She's renting it. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) Still not a good idea. All right. uh, What about your life lesson? Uh, So, this is where I was – so, when someone is overwhelmed, this is at them. This is more at Blaine than anybody Mm -hmm. else. I was – we were pretty clear from the beginning that um, Lindsay was overwhelmed at all the responsibilities she has, mm-hmm. right? And if you want to do something about that, then you should actually try to take on some of the responsibility and not just be like, let's go paintball and that sounds fun. Yeah. Like actually pick a productive solution to the problem right. instead of just like, I will distract them with fun. Like, okay, could you also unpack the boxes that have been sitting here for weeks? That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, mine was inspired by Chance and Taylor, but I think it probably goes to almost every couple on the sh- almost every couple on the show. It takes two to have successful communication. One person needs to be willing to actually do the speaking, and one person needs to actually be willing to listen. If you're going to have effective communication, I feel like chance wasn't willing to speak because he just assumed that taylor wasn't willing to listen well that doesn't put you know the blame on taylor for your lack of communication both of you need to work together on the speaking and the listening yeah that's true i it is true i mean he just i don't know and the part of it is i just don't i don't know we kind of have seen the chances bad side of it of Mm -hmm. how bad how maybe unresponsive Taylor is to actually listening. So Mm -hmm. maybe he has a point. Yeah, maybe. All right. uh, So we will be back uh, this time next week. Yeah, because this group is still Uh, As far as I know, still still got keep it going on. We haven't had the next week on the explosive season finale. Right. Uh, Okay, so until then. All right. See everybody then. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.